Welcome to the Injury Law Pod, the podcast that explores and demystifies the complex world of personal injury law. Each week, Missouri personal injury attorney Eric Bartlett dives into the legal issues surrounding personal injury cases to help you understand your rights and options when seeking justice and compensation for personal injuries. Join Eric as he shares his experience and real-life case studies, interviews guests, and answers your questions about personal injury law. The information Eric shares will help level the playing field if you have a personal injury claim. So sit back, relax, and let's explore the world of personal injury law together. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Injury Law Pod. I am your host, Eric Bartlett, 27-year personal injury lawyer, and this is the podcast that deals with all issues concerning personal injury law, and whether that's car accidents, slip and falls, work injuries, whatever it may be, we dive in, we discuss all the issues and complexities around. This is an area of the law that affects many people all the time, whether we're driving regularly or just out in public. There's a high likelihood we are going to encounter a dangerous condition. Somebody is going to do something negligent. And so on this podcast, we're here to provide information to help people that are going through some type of a personal injury claim, understand what their rights are, what their options are, and to just try and simplify it. So we're continuing on with our series, Work Comp 101. And this is the fourth installment of that series where we are talking about the work comp system for workers that have been injured on the job. What can they expect? What are they entitled to? What they need to know so that at the end of the day, they don't get taken advantage of. And as a reminder, uh, everything I'm talking about is Missouri law. Uh, Kansas has a lot of similarities, but it has differences. And if you're not in these states and you're hearing this, you're going to want to make sure you know what your state's work comp laws are and how they affect you because every state is different. So today's episode, we're going to talk about the disability settlement. It's the third benefit that an injured worker is entitled to under the comp system. This is where the rubber hits the road. This is generally where the fight really goes down. This is where the game is played, however you want to look at it. This is kind of the big part of it because you've been hurt. Maybe you've gone through the system, you've gotten your medical care, you got weekly benefits as you were supposed to. Maybe it's moved along fairly smoothly. I don't know that I could put a percentage on how many people have that experience as opposed to having problems throughout the process because there's plenty of that as well, whether it's just trying to get medical care, whether it's keeping your weekly benefits on track, whatever, people run into problems 
throughout the whole process. But let's just say you've gone through it, felt pretty good about it, and now you are going to talk about a disability settlement, which surprisingly, a lot of people don't even know that they're entitled to a disability settlement. I get calls from people all the time where they may have been released from the work comp doctor. They've been out of the system now for months and just kind of going along thinking that was it. And some coworker says, Hey, did you ever get a settlement out of that injury you had? And they're like settlement didn't even know that was a thing. And so now they're calling, asking about that because hmm, the insurance company certainly never brought it up to them. Um, so it is a it is a third component that you're entitled to. Um, but again, you're not always alerted to that. Um, but this is again where it's really important that you know what you should be getting. And basically, this is how it breaks down. So when you go through the work comp system, you're under the care of work comp doctors. And more than likely, the work comp doctors have been chosen by the work comp insurance company. The insurance companies have doctors that you could say are on their payroll. They're certainly the ones that they like to send people to. And those doctors who may be very good doctors, um, I would render no opinion on that, but their loyalties are going to lie with the insurance company because at the end, they know, those doctors know where their next business is coming from. It's not from you. It's going to be from the insurance company. So they have a relationship with these work comp insurance companies and they don't want to jeopardize it. So when the insurance company asks the doctor to give a disability rating, that rating is not going to be favorable to the injured worker. Why would it be? Because if it were, then the insurance company would seek out a doctor that is going to be much more in line with the insurance company's ultimate goal. And as we've talked on basically every episode, the insurance company does have one goal. It's a business. They're in it to make money. And the way they make money is by paying as little as they have to on a claim. It's pretty simple. You, as an insurance company, you take in insurance premiums and to make money, you pay out as little as you have to. So when that work comp doctor goes about the process of evaluating your resulting disability from your injury, they're going to give you a low disability rating and probably they're going to say you don't need anything else in the future. You're done. You're as good as you are going to be. And that's it. No more. So if you just go on 
through the process, through the settlement on your own, well, that's the evidence that's out there. And if a judge is hearing your claim for the settlement purposes or for the disability purposes, if for some reason you were to have a full-blown hearing, they're going to hear one side of the story. And that's going to be the work comp doctor's side of the story. So how do you counter that? Well, you need a second opinion. And generally speaking, an injured worker cannot just go to a doctor and say, hey, I had this injury, I had this treatment, and I need a disability rating for work comp purposes. You've got to find doctors that are geared up and know the system and know how to rate injuries for disability purposes under the work comp system. And generally speaking, you're going to need a work comp lawyer to get you the connection to the doctor that will provide the second opinion. And so what happens is we as injury lawyers, when we sign somebody up as a client, we get all their medical records. We have them evaluated by the work comp doctor that we are sending the injured worker to. And that work comp doctor then is reviewing all the records, evaluating the injured worker, and then writing a report with their findings. And lo and behold, usually that doctor is going to provide a much fairer disability rating. They're going to provide a much fairer look at your medical situation and whether, for example, the work comp doctor may have cut you off and said, you're done. Meanwhile, you can't raise your arm more than halfway up. And it just doesn't seem right. You're thinking, is this really it? This is as good as it gets. Well, again, if you're on your own and there's nothing to counter that and the, doc, the work comp doc says you're done, then, well, you're done. But a doctor that's providing a second opinion, they very well may say, again, let's say it's a shoulder injury, and again, you can't raise your arm up more than halfway. Well, that work comp, that second opinion work comp doctor may say, you know, this isn't right. This person needs an MRI um, to see what's going on in there. You know, they may have a what they call a recurrent tear in their shoulder. It, it, something doesn't add up. Well, when we have that evidence, we can then go about arguing that this person is not at maximum medical improvement. Those are the magic words in work comp. Maximum medical improvement basically means you're either all better or there's nothing more that medically can be done for you. So it's kind of a big deal because again, you've got an injury, you've got a resulting disability and you need to know 
is this as good as it gets or is there something else that could be done? And, you know, on the flip side of things, if, if nothing else can be done, well, that needs to be accurately reflected in the disability rating. So that's what happens when you get that second opinion from a doctor. And it's important because this is an injury that's going to stay with you for the rest of your life, right? I mean, nothing gets easier with age and generally speaking, nothing gets better. So you want to make sure you're getting a really fair look at what you've got going on. And again, I mean, we see a lot of times where our doctor that we've connected our client to has a very different opinion as to what is needed. You know, we see a lot of back injuries and we see a lot of people go through treatment with their backs, their spine, um, whether it's surgical, something less than surgery, they've had injections, um, physical therapy, and, you know, they're still having pain and problems. You know, back surgery doesn't always work. Back surgery is kind of a big gamble, and that's a medical opinion for doctors to make and to guide people on. But as a personal injury lawyer, I've seen enough back surgeries to know it's not always a fix. I've had clients that have had multiple back surgeries for the same injury. And finally, it is what it is, but there are things that could be used medically to try to help alleviate the chronic pain that's going to be with that injury in that person for the rest of their life. But again, the work comp doc may say, well, this is it. It's good as it gets. Nothing else needs to be done. And meanwhile, that just simply may not be the case. And, you know, if you were at a doctor of your choosing that you were paying and that had more concern about you, that's very well what you might hear, right? You might not just get kicked to the curb, so to speak, but you actually might be continued on other options to try to alleviate the pain, the disability, the limited mobility, whatever it is. So this is why going it alone on a disability settlement is really probably going to leave you shorthanded. And I do get calls from people a lot, right? They had a prior injury, they settled it on their own, and they know they got the short end of the stick. And now they're adamant that they want a lawyer because they're not going to get taken advantage of again. And it's sad that somebody had to go through one and realize, hmm, I probably should have had help, but it happens a lot because people, you know, people want to work. They want to get better. They don't want to cause a problem, especially they get nervous about, you know, even making these claims. They don't want to upset their employer. You know, a lot of times people have worked for their employer for a long time 
and they do just want to get better and back to work. And they're thinking, uh, if I get a lawyer involved, it becomes a whole nother level of issues and a much bigger production. But you have to remember, there's only one shot at this. You have to have your best interest in mind and you've got to worry about your future and about yourself and about your body and about what you're going to need. And any employer that you want to work for should also be thinking about that and should not be giving you a hard time. They, they should want to see you maximize your recovery. They've paid for the work comp insurance. It's a, it's an insurance claim. And so really they should be encouraging or at least not confrontational about you exercising your rights as an injured worker. So the other things that you have to keep in mind as well is all the little things that you just may not realize that you're supposed to maybe get right so for example um you know depending on where the injury is on the body in work comp you can get scarring and disfigurement so for example a good one is always a bicep injury so a lot of times when people tear their bicep which is this muscle right here you're usually if it has to be reattached you're usually left with a deformity and it, it actually is termed in the medical world, a Popeye arm because you have this sort of like weird hump that's left. Well, that's a deformity that you can get additional compensation for, or, you know, if you have some big scar or multiple scars, some, discoloration, whatever it is, you're entitled to get compensated for that as well. And again, a lot of times, if you're on your own, ain't nobody going to bring it up. They're going to be talking about, again, that low disability rating from the doctor. And they're not going to mention anything about scarring, disfigurement, what you're entitled to. Now, unfortunately, you're limited to the body parts. Like I said, it's, it's mainly arms, face, those types of things that you get disfigurement on work comp doesn't really care about your legs, your midsection, anything like that. But if you have those deformities, you have scarring, whatever it is, then you're absolutely going to be entitled to get something out of that. The other thing that people a lot of times don't understand is that you don't get quote unquote pain and suffering for a work comp injury. I get that question a lot because people know if you're in a car accident or some kind of other personal injury outside the work comp system, we hear about pain and suffering, right? And that's usually the most important part of an injury claim because even though people throw around pain and suffering, you know, it's the non-economic harm that has come out of this injury. 
And that's usually the biggest. It's one thing. It sucks, right, to have to go and get surgery and deal with all the medical appointments, go through all the inconvenience that that presents. But it's another thing to go through a lot of pain, a lot of limitations, not being able to do things that you were always able to do before the injury, whether that's interacting with your kids, for example, being able to play with them, being able to do simple things like brush your hair. I don't have that issue. Um, you know, for ladies, and if you have an arm injury, putting on a bra, just taking care of yourself on a daily basis. These are all the little things that if you're not injured, you don't think about it. We take for granted our ability to take care of ourselves when we're not injured. But when we're injured, it all becomes very apparent, all the limitations and how that affects you on a daily basis. Just being able to do tasks around the house, fix yourself food, clean dishes, whatever that is. Well, again, in, in the work comp system, there's no pain and suffering. So you don't get to claim what you've gone through or what you're going to miss out or not be able to do in the future. So you've really got to make sure that you're maximizing the disability settlement. Because again, it, it all goes on what your residual disability is coming out of this injury. And you want to make sure you're getting as much as you reasonably can. Because again, the system isn't great. A work comp injury settlement is not going to be all that it should be. But that is what I always say our job is as work comp lawyers in the work comp system. It's to maximize the value in a system that's otherwise not awesome. Because if you're on your own, you're definitely not getting what you should. And so these are the things that you've got to keep in mind. The other thing is this. Again, you get a disability settlement. What about future medical care? So again, maybe the work comp doc says you're done, 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 done. Don't need anything else. Again, that second opinion doctor may say this person is going to need X, Y, Z for the remainder of their life. And that's important, right? Because here's what you run into. A lot of times, you know, you settle out your work comp claim and you go down the road and you're trying to get treatment again. Say something comes up a couple of years down the road with that injured body part. Well, if doctors, health insurance companies, whatever, you know, find out this was related to a prior work injury, they're not going to want to cover it. So that's why you got to make sure for future purposes, if something's going to be needed, that it's going to be out there. Or a lot of times insurance companies, they don't want to leave the medical open for future care. Well, then we negotiate some more money so that if something comes down the road, you've got it to take care of the future 
medical need. So this is why it's really important. This is your one shot. When this gets settled, it is done. You cannot go back. I get those calls. I get people calling. They settled their claim a couple of years ago. They're, you know, and man, these are tough calls, but they're asking, you know, what can I do? Because now I've got a problem again. And, you know, I, I, I've tried to go back. I tried to reach out and they're telling me it was settled and there's nothing more. That's right. It's done. Done. It's closed. You cannot go back once this thing is settled. So that's why it's really important at that critical moment in time when you're talking about your disability, you're talking about your disability settlement, that you make sure everything was covered. And just a little bit on how that disability settlement is calculated. Again, we're looking at couple things. We're looking at that disability rating. So every body part is broken down. I think we discussed that in prior episodes. So depending on what was injured, there's a certain level of weeks of disability that come into play. And one way that's always easy for me to explain it, for example, the shoulder. If you injure your shoulder, and let's just say to make it really clear, let's just say you got your arm cut off at the shoulder in some horrific work injury incident. The shoulder is rated at 232 weeks of disability. And again, so if you got your arm completely cut off at the shoulder level, you're entitled to 232 weeks of disability. And then you multiply that times your comp rate, which we've talked about before. That is the average weekly wage you were making before you got hurt. And again, they look at a 13-week period before you got hurt. And then there's caps involved. So, and it's lower than what the cap is for the weekly benefits. It's about half of what that cap is on the weekly benefits. So, again, all the reasons that it's important to get a high disability rating percentage. Because, so again, we're talking if you got your arm cut off, okay, easy, right? 232 weeks of disability. But the majority of work injuries are not that. They've had some injury to the shoulder, maybe it was surgically repaired. Now there's a percentage of a disability in that body part. So instead of dealing with full 232 weeks, we're dealing with a percentage of the 232 weeks. So you might be getting a rating from the work comp doctor that says you have a 3% residual disability at that shoulder level. So 3% of 232 weeks, which is not much. Meanwhile, a second opinion doctor might say you've got a 35% disability at that same level for that same injury. And now what's going to happen is the process is going to begin of negotiating between those two numbers. So that low rating from the work comp doc, 
the high rating from the second opinion doc, somewhere around the middle is probably where things are going to land, um, but not always. Sometimes it's skewed towards the higher end, especially if, again, and a lot of times that work comp doctor's rating is just ridiculous. I mean, I get them where there's no residual disability identified. Zero. And then, of course, you know, second opinion doc says no. And, you know, it's pretty easy to convince a judge at that point that clearly the work comp doc is way off. And, you know, that's how we go about getting something done on the disability settlement for our clients. But yeah, there's a lot of factors that go into it. You've got to make sure you know what you're entitled to, what can be figured into the work comp settlement, and you just don't want to go it alone. Now, if you cut your finger and you had a couple stitches, okay, there very well may be no residual disability, certainly very minimal. And a work comp lawyer is not going to benefit you at that point. But for the serious injuries, they involve surgery, they involve long-term care, whatever that looks like. Don't go it alone. You will regret it at some point. Who knows when that'll be, but I just see it too often. People are really wishing they had known more. And hey, that's why this podcast is here. I hope you find it before it's too late and you can make sure you're properly taken care of. Okay, that's it. And I hope you enjoyed this, found it informational. And I always ask if you did, please share it. Please give us a five-star review wherever you're listening to it. And uh, on the next one, we're going to do sort of a summary of what we've discussed in the last episodes. I'll call it the work comp masterclass. And we'll just do a nice general summary of everything we've gone over in case that's easier to share with somebody. Or if you just want to watch it again and get the uh, highlights. And until next time, I'm Eric Bartlett, personal injury lawyer. Take care.